0: Aaron Lee Foster and Jeremy Bechtel were good friends living in Sparta, Tennessee in April of 2000. Aaron, 18 years old, and Jeremy, 17 years old, were said to be longtime friends. And some rumors have swirled that indicated they might have started dating. On April 3, 2000, Aaron and Jeremy would meet up at a friend's house just outside of Sparta. Aaron was driving her prized possession, her black 1998 Pontiac Grand Prix. They spent the day hanging out at this friend's house and decided to leave together around 10 o'clock p.m. They were witnessed getting into the car and driving off. However, neither Aaron nor Jeremy would ever be seen again. Where is Aaron Lee Foster and Jeremy Bechtel? to the Where Are They podcast. Our weekly podcast is produced with one goal, to give a voice to those that no longer have one. Each week we'll cover an unsolved missing persons case. We do try to focus on the lesser known cases to help those that need the exposure and to get their names out there. If you have a case recommendation for us, maybe someone from your area, from your school or college, or just someone you have heard of that needs more attention, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. And thank you so much to those I have heard from already. Your emails are always welcome. As a reminder, also, please make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram. That helps our missing get more exposure and visibility. And we also try to post case updates, announcements, and share any important information with you. We are on Facebook as Where Are They? And our Instagram handle is at the Where Are They podcast. If you missed last week's episode, I want to encourage you to check out our partner this month, Misfits Market. I'm absolutely obsessed with them. Discounted organic produce delivered right to your door. I'm loving less trips to the store, saving money, and it's helping me be proactive in eating my fruits and vegetables. And let's be honest, I'm not always so good at that. Check them out using our link in the show notes and receive $20 off your first box, which means depending on the box you choose, your first one might only cost you a couple of dollars. And they are big, full boxes. I could barely fit it all in my fridge. In other news, a couple real quick announcements. I've decided that our bonus episodes will now be released on our Patreon group page. The feedback has shown that over half of you weren't really interested in the bonus episodes, so instead of filling up your podcast feed with those, we're going to just go ahead and release them on Patreon. Our Patreon group membership begins at $3 a month if you're interested, and those funds do help us give back to the individual charities with each missing person's case we cover. Also, something new we are going to try this month is a monthly live chat session on the last Thursday of each month. We will have an evening live chat. Everyone is invited. We will post that link and info on our social media. Let's get together and discuss these cases, share your thoughts and theories, and just put our heads together. In the case of Aaron Lee Foster and Jeremy Bechtel, I know that I've always been against putting more than one person in an episode, but seeing as these two teenagers disappeared together... And if someone knows where one is, they likely know where the other is. So I decided for this case to go ahead and put these two together in this episode. I actually began looking into this case a while back, but the information was so limited and it seemed like there was only one most likely scenario that happened here. But something really drew me to them for some reason, and I kept going back to their case. I kept their names on my whiteboard in my office, and I continued to research the case here and there, and it just seemed so baffling. And maybe this is one of those cases where they just vanished, and no one really does know anything about their whereabouts. But maybe it isn't. Maybe someone does know something. Or By bringing awareness, people of the White County, Tennessee area will be more alert and observant when out and about. So who is Erin Lee Foster and Jeremy Bechtel? Erin Lee Foster is described as a Caucasian female, blonde hair, blue eyes, five foot eight inches tall, and weighing about 115 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Erin also has multiple ear piercings. Jeremy Bechtel is a Caucasian male, dark hair, and blue eyes. He is described as 5 foot 8 inches tall and weighing about 150 pounds at the time of his disappearance. Jeremy also has multiple ear piercings. Since there isn't much on their cases out there, uncovering who Aaron and Jeremy were as children wasn't easy. Erin was born February 28, 1982, in Tennessee. Jeremy was born a little later that same year, in November of 1982. Most people described Erin as a stunningly beautiful girl. Some people mentioned her bright smile, while others said she had an infectious giggle. One woman recalls in particular on the Facebook group page set up for Jeremy and Erin That she remembers driving by a gas station with her daughter in the car, and her daughter had known Aaron. As she drove by, she saw Aaron walking through the gas station parking lot and noted what a stunningly beautiful girl Aaron was. And her daughter told her that that was Aaron Lee Foster. Jeremy was also very well liked. On the Facebook page set up for him and Aaron, Justice for Jeremy Bechtel and Aaron Foster, You can see the number of people that cared about him and that share photographs of him. One friend tells the story about how Jeremy was always rapping, even performing rap songs during a talent show back in the sixth grade. Jeremy's parents were going through a divorce at the time, and it was noted that he was struggling with this, but that overall he was a happy and well-adjusted kid. His mom, Rhonda Ledbetter, was probably the biggest advocate working and searching for Jeremy and Aaron after they went missing, and she prayed for answers every day. She never gave up hope for her son, but unfortunately, she would pass away in 2018, still never knowing what happened to her son Jeremy and his friend Aaron. So what did happen on that fateful day in April of 2000? It pretty much started like any other for these teenagers in Sparta, Tennessee. Erin picked up her brother from school that Monday afternoon, April 3rd, and when she got home, she asked her mother if she could go out that night, even though it was a school night. Leanne Foster would say yes, unfortunately, a decision that would change the course of her life forever, as this was the last time she would ever see her daughter. Erin went to a friend's house just outside of Sparta where she saw Jeremy. Some said this was a few friends just getting together, and others had referred to this as a party. It was never made very clear how many people were there, if it was all teenagers, meaning were there any adults or parents there. And remember, this was a school night. It was a Monday evening. That evening, Jeremy called his father, Ronnie Bechtel, to tell him he was with Aaron and some other friends, and this would be the last time Ronnie Bechtel talked to his son. Jeremy and Aaron would leave the house together around 10 o'clock that night, and multiple people saw them getting into Aaron's black 1998 two-door Pontiac Grand Prix. The two then drove off together. What happened next is a complete mystery. Unfortunately, just like there is a lack of information on Jeremy and Aaron in general, most of the news reports and articles have been archived and are inaccessible when it comes to their disappearance. However, I will share what we do know. When Aaron and Jeremy were reported missing, the date of which that happened officially is unclear, the investigators first wrote it off as teenage runaways. There was no indication that the two had ever done anything like this before, but because of their ages at the time, 17 and 18, police thought they likely took off on their own. Investigators did keep an eye on their social security numbers, and both Aaron and Jeremy's parents noted pretty quickly that neither of them picked up their last paychecks. Rhonda, Jeremy's mother, said neither of them had any money and dismissed the runaway theory right off the bat. She said they would need money to run away, and if that's the case, why not get their last paychecks from work? And she has a valid point. She does not believe that Jeremy and Aaron ever got out of White County, Tennessee that night. As time passed, investigators would admit that the runaway theory seemed less and less likely, although still not impossible. And as in the case of many unsolved missing persons, especially those with little to no clues, rumors and sightings start to circulate. A few years after Aaron Foster and Jeremy Bechtel vanished, some tips started coming in Some sightings were reported in the Pensacola, Florida area. And I think law enforcement might not have put much stock into this, but several tips came in from different people. One of those reports came in from a retired police officer who was almost certain he saw Erin living and working in Pensacola. People had also reportedly seen her car in the area as well. Ultimately, White County, Tennessee detectives believed it was a lookalike situation and not Erin. They were still keeping an eye on her social security number, and she had never even renewed her driver's license. However, someone who knew Erin and Jeremy, someone who was said to have been at the house that they were both at that night, said it was very possible that the two of them ran off together to Florida. Specifics weren't given about that statement, so I don't know why they said that. I'm curious if it was something they had talked about before or why this person also believed they could be in the Pensacola, Florida area. Another rumor would come to light around the same time. This one of a very different and unsettling nature. Some were saying that Aaron and Jeremy were killed and their bodies were disposed of in a nearby well. This did bring out authorities to conduct several searches around several wells in the whole Sparta area. However, nothing would ever be found. Another rumor began circulating that involved Aaron's ex-boyfriend, Gareth. There's a lot of chatter surrounding him on the web sleuth and Reddit platforms, so I'm not sure what is accurate and what is people latching on to anything that they could. Police at one time did indicate Gareth was a person of interest, but they would also say that he was cooperative and he did end up passing a lie detector test. Some comments on these online message boards were not favorable to Gareth as a person. He was supposedly known to use drugs and even spent a couple of stints in rehab in Florida. One identified person on the boards, but someone who claims to be a relative of Gareth, said that Gareth was a horrible child, known to destroy things and even kill small animals. This person also said that much of the family has nothing to do with him and calls him pure evil. They also go on to say that his parents protect him and shelter him from all the trouble he should be in for the various things he has done over the years. Someone else claimed that Gareth was responsible and that he bragged about burying them, quote, two feet above someone else. And that's why he was able to get away with it. This had many believing that maybe he did murder them and buried them in a fresh grave at a cemetery nearby. But again, nothing like that has ever been confirmed and has just been pure speculation. In 2019, another search for Jeremy and Aaron took place when a car was reported sighted in the river. However, the vehicle was located, and it turned out it was not Aaron's Pontiac Grand Prix. As the years went by, the family began to believe that neither Aaron nor Jeremy were alive, They just wouldn't have stayed away so long, and with no hits on their social security numbers or driver's license, it was believed that Aaron and Jeremy likely died shortly after they left that house on the night of April 3rd, 2000. But the questions remain, what happened to them, and where are they? So honestly, my first thoughts are, they had a car accident and ended up in a body of water. And this would explain why the car has also vanished. And this has happened before, especially with young people at night. In researching these kind of cases, I've seen a lot of cold cases get solved this way. And even though there is no evidence that either Jeremy or Aaron were drinking or on drugs, we still know that accidents can happen. The one thing that is repeatedly stated by locals, however, is that there just isn't a ton of water sources in that area. There's the Calf Killer River. Who named that river, by the way? But nothing was ever found despite the searches. And some have even said that the water levels there fluctuate so much that during a low spell, the car would have been seen, especially in 21 years. And while Aaron and Jeremy lived in Sparta, this friend's house was said to be just outside of town, but a more exact location hasn't been made public. Sparta itself is a small Tennessee town with a current population of around 5,000. In the year that Aaron and Jeremy disappeared, in the year 2000, The population was even less, said to be at around 4,000. Sparta is also the county seat for White County. It is located almost directly in between Nashville and Knoxville. I did do a Google Maps search of the area, and in addition to the Calfkiller River, There seem to be a few small retention pond type of water sources, but nothing major that would prove to be a good hiding spot for a vehicle. There does seem to be some patches of wooded areas, and I wonder how thorough those areas were searched. But again, we are talking about 21 years here, and not just two people that are missing, but an entire vehicle. If this was an accident, they really ended up finding themselves in an obscure spot. We also have to consider the possibility that they left the area for some reason. And because there is no indication that they left the area, searches have all been conducted mostly locally. But what if the searches are in the wrong place? There is no way to know this, however, unless some evidence pops up pointing in some direction. Otherwise, the possibilities or the places that could be searched is relatively endless. And then we also have to look at the possibility of foul play. However, if foul play was involved and someone purposefully is trying to hide both Aaron and Jeremy and the car... This could account for no evidence being found, at least as of yet. I have to think that if this was an accident, some intensely focused searches, even now, could still bring answers and a resolution to this case. But let's take a closer look at the possibility of foul play. They left the friend's house together. No one was said to have followed them as they left. It was a school night, and it was believed that they were both headed back to Sparta and to go home. So what, or who, could have intercepted them in between the friend's house and their home? One theory occasionally discussed is a drug deal gone bad. Again, there is no real evidence to point to such. But in many cases, people don't necessarily make it public when they are headed out to do a drug deal. Did Aaron and Jeremy go to meet someone after they left the house? But even if that is the case, what caused this deal to go down so badly? Or did they stumble across something that they shouldn't have while driving home that night? I also wonder if they stopped somewhere on the way home. A gas station, a convenience store, a fast food restaurant. Could they have run into someone or trouble at any one of those places? Also a possibility, did they have car trouble or possibly run out of gas and the wrong person came across them? Curiously, I cross-referenced this timeline with any active serial killers in the area. And if you weren't aware, there is a database that keeps track of American serial killers, the years they were active, and their victims and the type of victims that they went after. Nothing ultimately popped out to me as being a possible connection, but you can see there were several active serial killers in the United States in the year 2000. In fact, the years 1970 up until 2000 is known as the era of the serial killer. For example, of active serial killers, we had Charles Brandt, a known serial killer from 1971 to 2004, However, all of his identified victims were family members and occurred when he resided in Florida. We have the case of Joseph Duncan, a known serial killer active from 1996 to 2005. He particularly killed young boys and girls, but he was mostly on the West Coast. We have James David Martin, a known serial killer active from 1989 to 2005, He was known to have killed young women in New York and Pennsylvania. Nothing that could really link to a possibility here that I saw, but that doesn't mean foul play didn't happen. The other most talked about theory is that they met with foul play at the hands of Aaron's jealous ex-boyfriend, Gareth Bradley. Some alleged friends of Aaron and Jeremy said Gareth was very possessive over Aaron and had an angry streak. Although police have said that he did cooperate with them, some friends say that his behavior after Aaron disappeared was odd. He never took part in any of the searches, and some even said that he would laugh and joke about her and Jeremy just up and vanishing. I did try to do a criminal record search on Gareth, but I didn't find anything public. So what does that really leave us in the way of theories on Aaron and Jeremy's disappearance? Number one... Aaron and Jeremy had an accident on their way home and their car just hasn't been found yet. Perhaps it's submerged in water or in an obscure spot covered by trees and brush or even in a ravine. Theory number two, Aaron and Jeremy were on their way to a drug deal that night and it turned bad. Theory number three, Aaron and Jeremy met with foul play at the hands of a stranger somehow and somewhere that night. Theory number four, Aaron and Jeremy met with foul play at the hands of someone they knew, possibly Gareth, or could it possibly be someone else? Another interesting bit of information that has come up is the fact that Jeremy's family submitted DNA to a database, as is pretty standard now in missing persons cases, but Aaron's family would not. And there was no reason given, at least that I could find, or at least that they made public, but I cannot imagine what reason at all would make sense. If your child is missing, won't you do almost anything to find answers? And giving a DNA sample to authorities seems so simple. Years ago, using DNA to solve missing persons cases was rare, but with advanced technology, it's happening more and more. According to NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, It is estimated that 4,400 unidentified bodies are recovered each year, with approximately 1,000 of those bodies remaining unidentified after one full year has passed. Authorities have been able to identify more and more victims through this recent DNA. Is it possible Aaron's body has been recovered somewhere and remains unidentified? I hate to think that, but I also wish her family would just submit their DNA so it doesn't even have to be wondered about. And it's pretty sad and tragic to think that a thousand people remain unidentified after a year's time. There really is very little out there on this case, and that truly surprises me. Two young people vanish without a trace you think everyone would know about it. However, on the couple discussions I found on Jeremy and Aaron, many people have commented that they're local to the area and they had never even heard of the case. So let's share the story of Aaron and Jeremy, two young people with their whole lives ahead of them. They didn't even have time to be adults, to go to college, get married, have children. If you are on Facebook, please go like the Facebook page, Justice for Jeremy Bechtel and Aaron Foster. Show your support for the families, and let's keep everyone looking for Jeremy and Aaron. It was Rhonda Ledbetter's final wish to have answers about her son Jeremy, and I hope even though Rhonda has passed away, that the families can have answers very soon. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Jeremy Bechtel and or Aaron Lee Foster, please contact White County Sheriff's Office at 931-836-2700. Remember, we are not only searching for Aaron and Jeremy, but Aaron's missing car, a 1998 Black Pontiac Tudor Grand Prix. Please share their story and their names any way that you can. As a reminder, our first live case discussion will take place the last Thursday of the month, June 24th. And keep an eye on our Facebook and Instagram page for a link to that discussion. I hope many of you can join us and brainstorm and discuss our thoughts on these cases. Also, our bonus episodes will be going up on our Patreon group page from now on. Go check us out over there if you're interested, and if you're not, I promise we won't be clogging up your podcast feed with those smaller bonus episodes. If you do have any feedback or case suggestions, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. And don't forget to grab your $20 off at Misfits Market. Link is in the show notes. Please go check out our YouTube channel also and subscribe. We just posted our latest video, the disappearance of two-year-old Wesley Dale Morgan. People always ask my opinions on these cases. And in the case of Wesley, yes, I do think it's very possible he is still alive out there somewhere. Please go watch his video and give it a thumbs up. So what do you think happened to Jeremy Bechtel and Aaron Lee Foster in April of 2000? 21 years ago with no clues as to their whereabouts. This one is baffling for sure. And initially, remember I had stated I believed one outcome. I was leaning towards the car, possibly ending up in a body of water. However, with everyone from the area talking about the limited water sources and the changing water levels, it is pretty shocking that we haven't found the car 21 years later. Thank you all for listening to Jeremy and Aaron's story. If we receive any updates on their cases, we will be sure to share them with you all. Keep an eye on our social media. We will be back again next week with another episode of Where Are They? And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.